Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamant. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? I'm very good. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I'm actually feeling really bright today and like happy and well, You're exciting. wearing an orange sweater as well. That's very uh, I know. bright. I used to be told, actually, that orange is like the most positive colour. And if you're feeling like not in a very good mood, you just wear orange. Orange is the new black. Orange is just going to change the world. <laughs> um, so our guest today yes. is one of the world's leading gallerists. Yes. And somebody that has been a big inspiration to me. I don't know if she knows that, but she has been. And um, I used to go to her gallery a lot when I was first getting into the art world and um, used to hold the invitations. These have these incredible um, designed invitations by Faro Design, which actually the artist for each show would choose the colour on. And um, I just loved the experience of going to her different galleries and... Um, throughout London and she's since become one of the world's leading um, galleries and has a presence literally in countries all over the world with her artists in museums and different places yes 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 we are incredibly (laughs) privileged to have with us today Sadie Sadie Coles (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) that's your intro how are you Sadie I'm good 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 good. it's a total pleasure to have you here we are just so influenced by what you've done in the art world. <laughs> Mainly I'm influenced because you worked at the National Theatre for a while. <laughs> which, I did. Which in, in apparently the, you hated. In the press office, yeah, I was h- half with Peter Hall and then half with Richard Eyre. So I had wow. six months of both. It was, wow, wow, wow. And I was doing, in the marketing department, we were doing the posters. So that was kind of interesting. It was great. Is that because of your art history studying? Um. No, I just needed a job. Right. So, so that was my sort of first job. And then after a year of doing it, or nine months or something, I was like, oh my God, I can't stand these actors anymore. Oh, right, nice. <laughs> 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 oh, that's nice to hear. And, yeah. uh, actually, but my mum was an actress, so I kind of... Had oh, a, yeah, really? Yeah, so, was she a theatre actress? Yeah. Um, so anyway, so then I decided that I should use my degree. So I looked around for a job and the only... Um, job I could find was in Bristol at the Arnolfini. Um, so I took that job and started that. That's where really where my art career started. Right. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And how long were you there? I was there for... Mm. What is the Arnolfini? The Arnolfini is like the ICA. It has no collection, but it yeah. has it does temporary exhibitions and it's right in the middle of Bristol on the canal side. And Bristol at that time was kind of really fun. There was still a lot of um, massive attack. Kind oh, of, yeah, of course. You know, all of that 
that, that whole tricky scene. Tricky was there, wasn't he? Yes, gold was, trap. Even, I think. It was kind of fun, and my boss was this um, legend called Barry Barker, and um, Barry was quite uh, hands off. So within. Um, I don't know, about six months of working there, he made me assistant director and then I started to do shows. And uh, one of the first shows I did was with um, Richard Long and um, Richard was represented by... Richard lived in Bristol, but he was represented by Anthony Doffe, who at that time was like the most important European contemporary art dealer. And Anthony came to the opening and said could you come and see me in London tomorrow? And I thought I was going to get told off. Um, oh, for, wow. for, you know The way you put it together. Yeah, something about the show. <laughs> yeah. And he said, would you like a job? And I was, wow. so, I was so desperate to get back to London. I took really? the job without really realising the difference between um, public and private. Right. Like, you know. Sales. Yeah. Mm. Um, but um, I took to it like a duck to water. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And never look back, I think. Yeah. Well, so you were there, and then in, in 2007, you asked Anthony if you could do your own sort of spin-off for younger artists. Oh, no, that, I think Not that was 2000. 2000. When was 1997. Sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 19, that, no, it was 1995. Right. Because I left in 96. Because once I started doing... Because at Anthony's, I did exhibitions and artists, and I worked a lot with American artists. Yeah. And... Um, but there, Anthony got this other, this tiny little garage space, and I said, "Could I do projects with younger artists?" Emerging, yeah, yeah. So I did about nine of them, and then I realised actually this is this is kind of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, doing my own program was that's it really appealed to me, and um, so I I left, and that was in '96, and then I went. Was to, he upset? Yeah. Was he? I think so. <laughs> really. Uh, but it was a wonderful place to work because there were so many wonderful, incredible artists yeah. in that yeah. gallery. And uh, there were also some fantastic colleagues, all of whom went on to open their own galleries, like Lorcan. I was going to say Lorcan O'Neill in oh, Rome. Was you working mm-hmm. alongside Lorcan O'Neill? Yeah, yeah we, were, right. we were very close. We were still very close. But yeah, he was great. Uh, he, did, he did mostly the German artists and I did mostly the Americans, so it was kind of this funny sort of... Mm. Um, and he... Um, he was also there was also Robin Vowsden and oh, yeah. um, Matthew Marks had been there just before me. I never worked alongside him, but um, wow, what a pedigree! So Ta- he really Tanya like... Banakdar. Really, <laughs> there was loads yeah. of us. I mean, practically everyone who worked there went on to. But back then it was like Listen Gallery and and him, but there wasn't yeah. really any other galleries that were like leading in that sense. In... There weren't. I mean, Maureen was there. Oh yeah, of course, Maureen. And she, yes. you know, she's and and Matt's gallery. They were the two sort of really important. And Carsten Schubert, of course, who then um, yeah. they were really strong actually. Mm. Um, but uh, no, it was an incredible time. It was so tiny the art world then. It was sort of cute. Anyway, and then I went to work for Jeff Coons, and then I as what as a gallery assistant, as, as a studio a, assistant, a studio manager. Wow! Did you really? I never knew that. Yeah, which is really that fun. Is so cool <laughs> in Los Angeles. In no, in New York. Wow! That was really fun, but um, I was quite homesick, if I'm completely honest, for trees. Yes. Yeah, and for that. Sundays. Have you noticed when you're in New York that no one really does Sundays? Sundays. No one lies around the sofa on a Sunday. You like go to the gym and then you have brunch yeah, yeah, and then you yeah, go yeah. to a museum. Keep and it then moving, you keep it moving, keep it moving. Absolutely. Or, or, or they just work every day of the week. I mean, I, had, yeah. I was talking to an actor the other day who just said that like there is no holidays in America. Yeah. And he was really missing being in England yeah. because 
he forgot that Americans don't really take no. time off. You know, that loafing around on a Sunday, reading the paper, then going to the pub and having lunch with a your roast. friends, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. maybe going for a walk. Doesn't exist. It's sort of, so I, I was homesick for that. But also, a lot of my friends who'd been uh, artists who'd been watching me um, at Doffes and when I left, were expecting me to open a gallery and were quite surprised, actually, when I went to New York. Um, How long was you there for? I was there for about uh, six months, nine months, something like that. And then Sarah Lucas rang up and said, listen, if you don't come back, I'm going to have to sign with Mike Cube. Oh, wow. (laughs) And John Curran was sort of saying, you know, like, come on, open a gallery in London. So, How did um, you meet John Curran? Um, Well, I just... Just from sort of being around, because I used to go to New York once a month, and I just, I guess you just gravitate to your own generation, so yeah. I just kind of knew everybody. John, I think I actually met in in um, Venice, in the Biennale. There was a great Biennale where, um, I can't remember who was the director, but, oh, I think it was, was it, no, it wasn't Francesco Bonami, it was before that but it was when the arsenale was given to 10 different curators oh yeah was that when was that 1993 i can't remember around then and john curran was in francesco bonami's section i think and i met him um then wow yeah on and yeah and we just became friends and i knew andrea rosen really well so um, and he was already signed with her. Yeah, he was right, working right, with right. her. So I just, I just knew a lot of people. Wow! And honestly, there was so little competition uh, for artists at that time. If you, if you were opening a gallery in London, you could sort of sign up anyone. Really, pretty much. And also, I guess like it was a time when Sarah Lucas and John were slit in a way at the beginning of their careers you know it wasn't like yeah. they are now where they're kind of globally recognised no. and in museums and all that stuff so you were kind of exactly at the same point as them yeah. you were growing with them it's yeah. just it was quite a magical time it, I, it I, was, I, it I was. wasn't there obviously at that time but I it's probably, kind of like the dream probably being assigned the American artist kind of changed your affinity with like because if you hadn't done that at the gallery, if you maybe been assigned German artists, you might have been, you might have gone a different route. Yeah, potentially. absolutely, maybe, absolutely. I would. And the thing is, when when I opened the gallery, I didn't. I definitely, you know, it was right at the in the YBA moment, of course, in in '97, and it was very um, clear to me that I didn't want to ha- be um, a British gallery. Yeah. I wanted to have an international gallery, mm-hmm. um, just because I had been traveling so a lot for Doffe so mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to keep that going mm-hmm. and so for the for the first um I mean for for a long time I had very very few British artists actually I had a lot of um American and German artists to be honest um so that was kind of is, it, <laughs> is that the HQ because that's very the HQ headquarters the HQ headquarters <laughs> that was really because the the uh, when I opened I had two shows at the same time. One was in in the tiny space on Hedden Street, which was the first gallery. And the other show, which opened also at the same... Actually, maybe it even opened just before, was um, Sarah Lucas's show, which was a pop-up, really, in a in a warehouse space off Clerkenwell Road at St. John's Lofts. And And I always wanted the HQ to signify that we could do things in yep. all sorts of different spaces. So yep. I've always done kind of pop-ups or gallery swaps or changed my address a lot. So yep. that that was the idea. And also my dad is um a na- was a naval officer. So I like the kind of military thing. A little nod thing. to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Are you really happy in your space now? Because this this has been. Um, yes, but I, well, <laughs> I've got two right now. I've got one on the posh one, I call it, the grown-up one on just off Berkeley Square. Um, and then I have the, the big one, which is just off um, Kingley Street on the on the wrong side of Regent Street, which is which I love, the best though. Side. And it used to be the Valbonne's nightclub, didn't it? <laughs> yes, it did. And it's it, huge. That, it's like 6,000 square foot. Yeah, that's a really great sort of secret space that when you go upstairs, you it's got a sort of good oh wow factor. Yeah, oh, it's unexpected. Yeah. Mm. Um, but that will probably eventually have to be developed by the Crown Estate, who are my landlord. So right, we okay. will go at some point. But I like that. I was going to say, I, never, I don't. I, I like stress you around. out there. Oh. The artists like uh, having a new challenge because yeah. most artists, once they've done a show once, twice, three times in a space, they get kind of bored. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the artists like me moving. The the collectors don't because they get confused about where I am. <laughs> yeah. And what about but, your staff? They like it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's ridiculously expensive to do it, but I but I I like it. Good. I think I found that with Carl as well because we've this will be our third space now the one we're doing mm. in Margate and um, it feels like it's a new job all the time yeah. so like when I first worked for him I was in the tiny gallery in Shoreditch then we moved across to the bigger gallery and it sort of gives you as a member of staff like a kind of new it feels like you're getting a new yeah. job basically yeah. and yeah. It, in a way it helps because even though collectors don't know where you are or whatever it can I think it helps invigorate them even if yeah. they don't realise straight away exactly but it does keep it exciting yeah I mean I would I always stay in the centre I'm a real West End Girl. Yeah. Quit. And would, would you ever want to? So Mar- Margate's <laughs> not on the cards for you. No. 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 Would, okay. would you ever open it in another country? Well, never say never because <clears throat> who knows what with Brexit. In fact, I did look in in at another European um, possibility just because I was a bit kind of that was about a year ago. I was mm. like, oh my god. Mm. Um, but um, I'm 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 kind of, I love London. I really so, I love it. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping that whatever happens, that we can sort of. Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, make a make an opportunity of it and rethink in, in some way. But um, I, you know, I'm also very very interested in Asia because when you go there, it just feels like super optimistic and full of possibilities, yes. and it's a very young environment to be in. Um, but I don't really. I, I have no intention of having bricks and mortars a situation in. Hong Kong or China, mainland China because I I don't want to have that kind of financial risk really mm. because then I think you start programming your gallery in a different way yes, and exactly. making sales in a different way and I, I I'm so also you've never felt compromised by no real no, estate absolutely with, not wow no and I'm and I'm also a very very hands-on person you could say control freak yeah. um so I like to I like that feeling that Artists can call the gallery and actually speak to me, and the same with the clients. Well, I was going to ask you. So about I don't that. want to have. I don't want to have something that then gets too far away yeah, from yeah. me. Yeah, exactly. You know? But I wonder if that's why galleries like Maureen's and yourself, you they, they do still feel very personal. And even though you might have a very big artist roster, it all feels like genuine, and it feels like you pro- they probably can call you. I was going to find out that because when artists become really successful, like you've worked with Richard Prince, Matthew Barney, you know Sarah, these like giants in a way of contemporary art, like how does it change from the early days when they're young and then suddenly they become these big stars? <laughs> is it is it is it harder to to manage that? Like how does it uh, and with auctions suddenly happening and yeah, it all sort of changes, doesn't it? They, yeah, it becomes a very different. Yeah, thing. I mean it it's it's. It's it can sometimes be super scary because what what 
you know what was manageable because mm. suddenly because there are a lot there's suddenly a lot of other interests that can can um distract actually uh, to be honest um and obviously if an artist when an artist becomes super super successful um uh it attracts the competition to say the least mm. oh, you know, not course, not yeah. just other dealers but yeah. the auction houses suddenly want lots you know all that, all of that stuff yeah. so that it that can get quite intense and for an artist that of course can be incredibly exciting but it can also be very distracting mm -hmm. or very um unnerving you know mm -hmm. um you know the, there are quite a few of my artists who are, are are very unnerved by high prices or sudden price things yeah. Yeah. um and, and in a way that can also um <laughs> to use a weird word con sort of constipate them do you know what i mean it's yeah. like well if i make this how much is it going to sell for and who's going to buy it you know it can get a bit like that it's almost like a paralysis or yeah something. It's yeah like, yeah that can be weird but other artists have got i mean all artists are different you can't you really can't gen generalize and some of them get incredibly excited by by all of that stuff and um but you have such a responsibility to manage that because i guess yeah. that is such a as you're saying it's scary because one wrong move or something you could really if you overprice them or mm -hmm. i mean how do you how do you how do you cope say when an artist's secondary prices are so much higher than the primary prices well you have to adjust you have to watch that you have to keep an eye on it because if you don't you're under you're actually you could the artist could say you're underselling my work mm. so you have to you have to balance it and you know you can you can um, apply a mathematical theory to that which is you know to like a few years ago it used to be that that the the secondary market should be about thirty percent higher than the primary Got it. Um, but I would say that's kind of gone out the window in the last Five years, yeah. um, uh, mainly because those secondary um, prices can fluctuate so much. Of so you, you know, well, we've seen that, haven't we? Yeah. We've seen so much, especially like two or three years ago. There was yeah. such a surge, totally, yeah. of it's, art that was selling like secondary, yeah. ridiculous, and, and then now, suddenly, now completely plummeted. Yeah. And if you've, as the gallery, set that price mm -hmm. at the secondary price, mm -hmm. you just can't sell in the work yeah, at all. Get, and then what? Do you, and you can't lower prices, can you? Well, you there are all sorts of strategies. I is mean, there? in a way, what you have to do is listen. You have to get a real sense of what do I think the market will be happy with, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So you, you try and listen to um, all of the signs, conversations, auction price records, primary records, what other artists of a similar type, you know, you have to kind of make those, those kinds of calls, those judgments, and hopefully get it right. You can't lower prices, but there are strategies that, you know, um, you, you can encourage an artist to um, make a different kind of work or think about a different scale or, you know, you, you and you can reposition someone too really? a little bit by um, showing the work in a different context mm. or, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Do you enjoy that tactical side of it? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think about that all the time. <laughs> and and um, I do think very long term about these things. You know, I feel that, that you know, you're on a long journey with someone. Mm -hmm. And um, although, I, although I, I, I have worked with artists of all different ages, you know, you can see people... Uh, you know, there are there are um, 
ups and downs in in many careers mm. in the long you know in a long long term you know so so people can hit heights at different moments yeah and that you know having worked at Doffes also with with artists of a much older generation that one saw that you know that that there was that that um, there might be a sort of dip in in the have you got any examples middle age period of an artist mm. and then that then things step up again like who would that be well, I don't want to say that. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> In but, I mean, well, if they've stepped up again, that's um, a positive spin, isn't or it? Or died. Oh, okay. yeah. oh, I see, right. <laughs> right. But, you know, it is. it does happen. So, you know, I I think... Honestly, at the end of the day, if 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 there's if an artist is really really good yeah. and has the the appropriate um, um, skill set, skill set, but also um, the appropriate and good um, museum interest, yes. representation, publication, mm-hmm. platform, you know that that it it will happen. Mm. You know, people will. Get and it. so, when you take an artist on, you're basically committing to them for life, aren't you, for their career? Yes, it's like getting married. Wow. <laughs> how do you find? How do you find? Do you, do you find? Do you go to like the school shows if you're trying? Do you go like actively looking for an emerging artist, or do you listen to your artists? And um, I do try and see some shows. Yeah. Um, that uh, I don't see them all. I would love to see them all, but often they're in, in peak art fair time or Venice time it can be so hard to see it's, everything anyway yeah, but and I sometimes I, it, feel it's just distracting them if, if I can I do but I would say that I don't pretty much I have never taken I think anyone from a degree show because mm. because I actually think that artists need to have two or three years after their their um, art school moment to just really have to be an artist not be anything else because those are the artists you want Mm -hmm. you know and um it does take a a, a while to really um commit to what you're doing i think Mm -hmm. and and so i kind of i can see someone at a degree show and be interested and then watch them um do go through their group shows, maybe show with other ga- other galleries. You know, just like just keep an eye on someone, and then you, then you might. And you leap on often. It. Actually, I would. I have bought a person's work before I to show commitment to show like. No, I'm just curious, I'm, or right. I like it. Like I, I have, I collect myself, and I have two collections. One is the the work of the artist that I represent Mm -hmm. and the other collection is younger artists who i just i just enjoy collecting but often that so i that that collection for instance i usually buy one thing from every art fair from a younger gallery and that collection often then leads me to have something around that just i think i really like that 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 is actually good and then that then maybe i will and you try and live with them then yeah Mm -hmm. did you did you have an interest in collecting from a young age of other things or like how did you first get into art do you, do you remember? Or? Um, yeah, I mean, I this is a story I've told before, so it's oh, okay. possibly boring. But, no, no, um, no, but my, we might not have my mother, who, uh, who, as I said, was quite a creative, artistic person, um, would drag the, uh, uh, her three kids to uh, museum shows and theatre and opera and contemporary dance and God knows what else. <laughs> and um, I had two kind of epiphany moments. One was... Um, going to the Tutankhamun exhibition at the mm. British Museum when I was like six years old. <coughs> wow. And I remember queuing up for six hours because that day, that, those days you didn't have internet 
pre-booking. You had to actually queue. <laughs> queue, yeah. Dark ages. And we queued for about six hours. And you, and you went, and we were, you know, kids. My mum was trying to keep us all happy. And then we went down, you went to the entrance. They built the entrance so that it replicated going into the, the tomb. So you went down this t- dark tunnel, and right at the end, there was a, a spotlight on the lapis lazuli um, face, wow, you know, the yeah, yeah. Tutankhamun's lapis lazuli bust, bust thingy. Yeah. And I just kind of thought, like, oh my god! And I think for me, that was a sort of the the, the I, I I just had this feeling about objects and their power and beauty and mm. blah. So, so there was that. And then the other thing was that we lived in Edinburgh for a year when my dad was at a naval base up there and my mum took took us, and I think it was my birthday treat, and I was seven, oh. to see Lindsay Kemp. Really? <laughs> Just a little bit. No, um, but Lindsay Kemp's so great. Yeah. And he really helped Kate Bush. Yeah, and David Bowie. And David and Bowie, Iggy exactly. Bob. I don't know who Lindsay Kemp is. Oh, he, was a mime, he was a mime, mime artist. artist. And it was quite um, out there um, and um, sort of super gender bender, 70s, weird, you know. Was, yeah, and I, like I really remember, ahead of its I time remember in some way. thinking like, what the? And, but that was <laughs> yeah. quite interesting because wow. it, that, that, I remember thinking that that was really something. So those two things. Uh, at I seven think, years old, you saw that and that yeah. stuck with you. Yeah. Wow. And then I guess when I was like 13, 14, I was really into feminism, like all 13, 14-year-old girls. And I went to see a Nancy Grossman show. Oh, really? I don't know if you know, you know, she did these leather sex marks. Yeah, totally. And um, that I just thought that was, and that was, it was the time of punk as well. So that it just all felt all right. Wow. So then I got really into contemporary art at that point. Cool. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There was a really great article years ago that Alice Rawthorne wrote about um, leading gallerists uh, who were female. And it was talking about um, the idea that you might have all these FTSE 100 companies that don't have women at the top of them. Um, And even in the art world, you know, often women artist prices aren't as high as men at auction and things like that but gallerists have often been able to succeed um as women and i did a list the other week before we met louisa buck of people that had inspired me and been welcoming to me in the art world and every single one of them was women there was like 35 people on it and every (laughs) single one was a woman and i was like i was really wanted to find out from you how it's changed and and also why you think it was possible for you to succeed um in the way that you have globally as a woman because in other industries it's never been that kind of equal somehow yeah, um, actually, I've been thinking about this a lot 
lately because yeah. I think originally you know, I always felt like who put you in charge? Do you know what I mean yeah, about yeah. about um, <laughs> patriarchal crap? And I always kind of. I mean, it's probably to do with my relationship with my dad. I always resent male authority. I right. just don't like it. So in a way, I kind of, um, in the early part of my career, I just ignored any feeling of um, inequality. I just ignored it. And if people asked me back then, I would just say, I don't know what you're talking about. Cool. You know, I'm not having a problem because <laughs> I was just doing it. Yeah. But now I feel, I, 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 I'm... You know, I think that the whole Me Too, Not Surprised, all of those things mm. have maybe made me re-examine how I feel about it. And um, um, I think, you know, I think you just have to push hard every day, actually. Um, I do think that the that women in the art world, that, that whole question, um, I think women are, are very good colleagues, actually. And so a lot of the art dealers that I... Um, have very good relationships with mm. and, and um, uh, good w working relationships with our women, actually. Like, I miss Andrea Rosen, actually, now she's closed. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I work a lot with Barbara um, Gladstone and, you know, I mean, I have lots, lots of other female gallerists who I think are really, really good colleagues. Um, but I don't think there's any... Um, it's like I always resent that idea that, that women make good galleries because they're nurturers. I mean, fuck that, mm, quite mm, honestly. Mm, <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Um, I, I, but I, but I, I, um, I sort of, I, I just want to be equal. That's what I feel about mm. it. I kind of, I, I do think there is something though about rich white men wanting to spend their money with white men. Right. There is something about that. Yes. Which I I think has informs the the um, inequality of of um, prices totally yeah and and that I I resent and I just feel eventually that that will level out yeah um, but possibly not in my lifetime but I do think that we are making gains one way or another yes and um, you know that's a good thing the other thing I think is quite rare about you as a gallerist is how supportive you are of other galleries because. When I first came into the art world, I only got into contemporary art, the actual art world in early 2000s. But I always found it very um, competitive at that point. And by 2006 or something, or seven, before I was even working at Carl's, it began to feel very like dog-eat-dog. Dog. People weren't talking to each other. And even if I was buying an artwork from a gallery, a different gallery, some of the people who were selling, if I was buying something from another gallery, they'd tell me off for like supporting that gallery. It felt very unsupportive. Whereas I felt like the moment I met you about eight years ago, I think at Lister Basel, you were just so kind and kind of calm and just very mm. open. And I actually found that quite rare. But I think through you having been that collegiate and even that lunch we had, you know, in the summer, <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but like, yeah. and also I know that you work with Art Basel. What was you the know, lunch? Now the lunch you, was... Uh... It was um, lots of different galleries, Sadie invited for us all to go and have lunch and I got there and it was just like all our colleagues it was just the nicest thing and it felt really like important though because we don't all see each other in, in that no. way so is that an important thing that yeah, you actually consciously I think, think about? I or? think it's really important and I think London is very rare in in in, in that it actually is super collegial and that, that I did that lunch to kind of celebrate that really yes and because because actually um, you know New York feels a lot more um, doggy dog to me definitely and that even though I have 
great, some great colleagues there. Same, yeah. But uh, but I do think that that um, there is a really really good community here from from the top to the bottom and um, or the young to the old, and that that should be recognized. And the other thing is that I really think that sharing information is essential for galleries. Like you know all sorts of all sorts of information. Like, you know, who's a good collector, who doesn't pay. Yes. So, so basically that lunch was a huge gossip fest. Of right, stuff oh, like right, that. right, right, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so do you have a naughty list in the gallery? <laughs> we all have a naughty list. Do you really? Yes, of course. Yeah. Have you got a naughty yeah, list? Yeah, big time. You're on it, babe. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're on the good list. Oh, thanks. But, but it is interesting. You know, then you also share information about, I don't know, Brexit fears, import, export, tax, tax inspection. What are your Brexit fears? That that um, importing and exporting art will become more complicated yeah. or less complicated, or that we'll become a sort of rogue tax-free state. Mm. Yeah. Well, no one knows. I mean, no I'm one still knows. trying to understand so, it. So yeah, talking about uh, talking about um, sharing those th- those sorts of information, staffing information. You know, ha- what should you be paying your gallery assistants? All those those. You know, it's really important that we all talk talk to each other. Totally, and, yeah. and and. Um, it was really, really fun. So I'm it was also very impressive. I'm definitely going to do it again. <laughs> you know, I was sat there thinking, like, all the amazing galleries in Glasgow. You know, there were people from all over oh, so the UK. Oh, people travelled down. Oh, yeah, great. yeah, wow. But it, it it actually, I felt incredible pride at the end of it. I was I like, how good is the that. British art world, though? And even if we want to be international, which we all are now, because a lot of our collectors are all over the world, there is something really special about the British yeah. art world. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for you for that, because... I think it's so, that's my whole thing is about being inclusive, which is also partly why we're even doing this podcast was just about opening the door a bit because people feel so like the art world's elitist or it's or it's a hidden thing mm. and they can't be part of it. But I feel so strongly, the reason I'm into art is that it changed my life and improved yeah. my life. And um, I was just impressed in a way that you, you as a leading figure, because I didn't know you, I just knew the openings with like, you know, so many well, the name, the, bra- the brand, the brand in a way. Well, it yeah. is a brand, isn't it? In a yeah. way, um, but it, it was just a really refreshing thing, and it kind of made me want to continue doing what you know how I was. You know, what I mean, just be myself, and you can be a good person and be a gallerist, and you don't have to, you know. Well, I think what we do is is um, you know, I mean, if, if I'm being trite about it, I would say we're just shopkeepers, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, what's in the shop is is magic. Yes, you know it's uh, it's we're not selling we're we're selling luxury goods, of course. But that but art is a necessary art of all sorts. You know, theatre, language, everything. You know, it's it's an essential thing. Human beings need to articulate their feelings about the world, and they do it through through culture. Mm. And so, so for me, I just I think it's sort of magic what we do. And on that note, we ask every guest that comes on the show, what is a touchstone artwork for you? Like if you could go to a museum and take it home with you and do an art heist, even if you don't want to break the law, but um, what would you take home if you could? Um, It's probably been the same thing for the last 30 years. It would be Gilbert and George doing the singing sculpture. Oh, Oh, really? Underneath the arches. Yeah. In front of me on their little table, plinth with with the metallic makeup and yes. their rubber gloves yeah, yeah, yeah. the arches it's actually I find it so uh, moving that piece actually. Yeah. melancholic it's super British it could only be England yes um I mean I think it's magical and I think they're magical yeah they are and also I like things I like um I always like things that are brave 
There's, there's pretty much no one braver than Gilbert and George. That's mm. true. Or, or Jeff's puppy. Oh yeah, the Jeff well, like Coons the, the puppy. Big, big one, the massive, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, but that's quite that's personal because I was sort of involved in in the the fabrication of that at the time in '97. So that would be kind of. And what came first, the the, the vase edition of the puppy or no. the big flat the flower puppy? Mm. Wow. Yeah, that was made for Aronson for this um, this uh, a group exhibition in. Was it Austria? I can't remember where Arlson was. Anyway, it was it was in front of a chateau. It was wow. amazing. Wow, wow, wow. I, I had such a powerful experience with his work. I because in the mid two thousands he was so huge mm. and it was almost like I just wasn't looking at his work because mm-hmm. by then it was just like huge, huge, and it was almost like Damien Hurst. I just didn't really look at them. Um but I went to the show during Basel, Art Basel one year at Foundation Bayla, um, in that incredible, um, you know, bit outside Basel, mm-hmm. and it was just exquisite. And I had no idea the power of those objects. And I suddenly realised that he was a total genius. Mm. And even the book they made with that show, yeah, it just left this thing. And I've I've respect him so much. I mean, it's quite genius. A lot of his work, yeah, I mean, really yeah. radically genius, <laughs> actually. Yeah, and fun as well, yeah, and joyous, bon- and celebration bonkers. of life. Yeah. It is, yeah. But in a way, it's 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 about what art can do, which is transform precisely. And, and elevate, precisely. you know, so, so it goes from low to high, yeah. or, or, or yeah, he moved low culture or, up to yeah. high culture, yeah, exactly. It? Yeah. So it's kind of extraordinary. Yeah. And I guess I would I also have to say that Sarah has been like, like her work, like the first time I saw her work was penis nailed, nailed to a board at City mm. Racing in '92, I think. And so, and knob soup from that show was it was just <laughs> everything. Yeah. Did you buy work from that show yourself? No, I don't. I didn't have enough money. But I think the first work I bought from Sarah was from the shop. Which when was what, Tracy. is that? Two, is that ninety four? Yeah, I think three. So. Um, and that was they 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 closed the shop. I mean, I bought little bits from the shop, but they there was a huge brown paper and colour copy um, portrait of Sarah in her boots and her jacket. Oh, amazing. Striking the male pose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they had closed the shop and had an outstanding, um, what used to be called the poll tax bill. <laughs> and she said, if you can pay this bill, I'll give, you know, you can have the, the poster. So that was the first work by Sarah I bought. So that's maybe actually my favourite. Wow. wow. Do you still live with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so amazing. It's actually in the new museum show. That just is it? Oh, great! What did <laughs> you think of that show? I, I mean, just how do you saw. feel? What oh pride do you feel for that? Yeah, um, it was incredible. Very moving um, to see uh, the, the 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 whole range of Sarah's language and how it's developed, um, and how genuine it stayed, how mm-hmm. authentic. Um, and I thought the Massimiliano, Joni, and Margot Norton, the, the curators, did a brilliant job of of um, articulating particular moments so that you really understood the whole thirty years. Mm. Um, but it, it was wonderful. It was and was that her first museum moment. show in the states? Um, or her, her first, first major one? Major, yeah, yeah. Because I actually found that quite surprising when I heard mm-hmm. that. Because I, I was there in December, mm-hmm. and um, obviously when you're walking on the street, you saw the giant Boots. sculpture yeah. in the front <laughs> of it. It was yeah. quite clever as well. But um, I remember thinking how interesting it is this idea that in our in, in England she's just such a kind of god in a way of like 
contemporary, contemporary art. art yeah. But then in America, that was her first show. And it's almost like you still have to keep building the whole time somehow. Yeah, yeah. And I find that exciting, though. I find well, it like, I in a way, that, it's cool. But that's also the specialness of Sarah. She's not someone who said yes to every opportunity ever. Right. She, right, does, right, she right. lives her life the way she wants to live her life. Love and that. she does it for her own... To, to suit herself she's not thinking oh yeah I'll say yes to this museum show or that museum show and actually Massimiliano um, had, had pursued Sarah for like five years to do that show and she kept wow. saying no wow so um, and and, and, actually, and I believe that she has uh, the, the work is as good as it is because she's stuck to her path yeah so resolutely yeah, um, yeah. and and at the end of the day, that's probably the only way she can be, mm. you know, because she's an artist and, mm. you know. What's the audience reaction been to it over there? Amazing. Has it? Yeah, I mean... Um, Critically she, and... Yeah, I think she totally felt the love. <laughs> that really? Really good. Wow. I mean, there's a wonderful piece in the New York Times by Roberta Smith, um, mm. which was like a fangirl letter. Oh, it was wow. really so beautiful. Um, and the, it, the show goes on to um, The Hammer in Los Angeles. And I think Sarah is a real artist artist, so um, people just want to see the work. So it, there were so many artists going and writing to us and saying, you know, this is my dream come true. But also a lot of my collectors in London or in Europe have all flown out to see that yeah, show. Like yeah. Paul and Raymond went the other yeah, day. Yeah. Like people just go for the weekend just yeah. to see that that's show. True, like that's yeah. the purpose of their it's trip. A destination. And yeah. I think that says it all. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. No, I'm so happy I saw it because it was a very special show. And weirdly, in your gallery... I came to an opening recently and you had the viewing room and mm -hmm. I was with Pauline, mm -hmm. who we, we love we as well. We love Pauline. Oh, we love yeah, Pauline. We, we were going to mention Pauline. that. <laughs> yeah. We also think it's a really good sign when um, people can have people in their team who stay for decades. I, I think that's also a great um, How long have you worked with Pauline? Sign. A long time because she was, she was an artist and she curated a show. I can't remember what it was called now. What's her role at your gallery, by the way? She's the director. Got it. Mm -hmm. But she was an artist. She went to Slade and um, she curated a show with her then boyfriend mm. on the King's Road in, I think, Max Wickram's space. Wow. Remember he had that funny space? You don't know. You're I didn't know that. That's before my time. <laughs> but... Um, and I went to the show and then I saw her working on on a Saturday in Phoenix on Bond Street on in the Nicole Fari section. And I said, what are you doing here? Because I was working at Doffes. I was like, what are you doing here? And she was like, well, I have to work. Yeah. So I said, oh, I'll get you a job at Doffes. Wow. So I did. So, so we've actually known each other for, I didn't know for that. a so long, you... long time. And then when That's I left so cool. Doffes, I said, just... Come with me. No, because I, 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 I was going to work for Jeff Koons. Oh, I yeah. said, just, I'll, I'll let you know if I do anything. And then I called her up and said, I'm going to open a gallery. Do you want to? So cool. Do you want to come and work? Yeah. So, so she, she took me into your viewing room anyway. And um, that work with the lips, it was on the wall with a cigarette. Yeah, I think yeah. it's like wax. Is it yeah, wax? Yeah. That work. I mean, it's so small. Where does it all end? It, That's cool. <laughs> it just has the, that is such a powerful piece. Yeah. It's an amazing. And Carl and I were chatting the other day about the scale of work back then and the fact that these small, works just had so much power mm. and you know when people make very giant work suddenly and then you're mm. just like what what does that mean now but well something yeah about i those mean early days with all the kind of intimacy more intimate, and, yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean sarah so continues good. to make work on a very intimate scale because she well, has, even the nuds she, aren't they They're yeah all, yeah, yeah and she has no studio she has no assistant so, so she does everything on her kitchen table and and um so it, everything has that intimacy i mean she has made large scale 
um, works like the boots at, at um, yeah, was that made for museum. the show but that was made for the show yeah. so yeah. that's really about taking on space and yes. being ambitious about a museum show yeah. you know it's not that she's suddenly got like 20 assistants and it's no. I mean she obviously not... has to bulk buy tights as well <laughs> actually <laughs> tights are a real issue because yes because they're sort of changing and Sarah likes the old school so when we go places to, like, like funny places like Mexico or somewhere she's in heaven, because you can, or India, you can find really good tights. Lingerie from the 80s. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right, right. Or 70s or something. Wow. <laughs> One more question we ask every guest, it's compulsory, is what is your favourite colour? And it can be anything that comes into your mind. Well, it's funny you're talking about your jumper, because it's actually orange. Is it really? Oh. I have a lot of orange in my house. Do you? Yeah. A lot of so furniture cool. and like, accessories? Or... Yeah, uh, yeah, I have uh, carpets and things Got an like orange that. carpet? Mm-hmm. I love orange. In what room? I find in my living room. Burnt orange, like yeah, really. Yeah, I find it a very, very positive colour. I think you're right. Well, to be really honest, this is kind of a hilarious story. But I grew up with the children of Uri Geller, the guy that Ben spoons. He was really oh, famous yeah. in the seventies. Yeah, and, he collected um, art. He he did, and he did actually he knew from you. <clears throat> no, oh. he did come in the gallery once for a John Curran show, though. Oh, did in he? fact, I think he might have owned John Curran's. Work, Maybe but yeah. Not for me. He he knew Dali and all, um, all kinds of people and had like proper conversations with him they were that fascinated. would make sense so they well yeah because he'd been spoons yeah. and I think there's even paintings that Dali made that were influenced by his time with Geller's actually kind of amazing in the 70s it was an interesting time but anyway when I was growing up he constantly said to me orange orange is the colour and he would he would always say to me and he'd be like Rob hi Uri he was super intense and we're just back in touch with each other recently because he lives in Tel Aviv now and he's opening a museum about himself oh, wow. so my Amazing. childhood memories are like, spoons, are like his spoons, spoons. spent yeah, yeah. all over yeah. his car and it used to bring it into our school and stuff it was hilarious and he came to my house once for dinner a few times for dinner and he actually bent my christening spoon and my mum was just like devastated <laughs> she was like that was Rob's christening spoon and it's now like in the cupboard somewhere on display like a bent spoon it's hilarious I can't believe I just told you that yeah. hi Uri if you're listening um well, Sadie, thank you so much yeah, for coming you. on. Um, I did also want to talk about all the younger generation, but we can do that another time because you've got such great artists now, like Helen Martin, um, Monster Chetwind, who constantly evolves changes and her changes her name. <laughs> but um, Martin, I just Martin Sims. Martin Sims. She's yeah. your, is she your most recent addition to the roster? Um, Actually, Alvaro Barrington. Who, oh, you signed? Oh, is that wow. official now? Mm-hmm. So oh, we're doing. Great. Although, he, although he might come I have on to this. say, he's already got about twenty-seven galleries. I know, but that's yeah. great, though. And, I love that. I, I collect his work, he's and great. I've got work yeah. from all different from, places. Yeah, and, yeah. and he always never wanted to be defined by one gallery, yeah. but now yeah. I love that. But actually, I was talking to a, uh, somebody in New York about him, a, a fellow gallerist, and saying you should look at Alvaro. And this person said to me, "Oh no, he's such a hustler. He's got all these galleries, and and, I, and doesn't that bother you?" And I said, "Actually, I, I like the fact that he." rethinking the way things can be. Yes. Me like, too. Like, it's so it's boring if we just stay in the Castelli model forever. Mm. And and my feeling is that things are, are are healthy if they're evolving. You know, the art market shouldn't stay the same. The way of representing people shouldn't stay the same. The the, the role of a gallery shouldn't stay. You know, it should be organically evolving all the, all moving, the time yeah. otherwise yeah. what are we doing here I remember you went and met Carl and he told you about Margate and you were one of the first people he told and you were so supportive and open to it and he came back really like 
you know, happy Energized. about that meeting. Yeah. And other people are just do not get it. And then suddenly now they're getting it. You know what I mean? Like suddenly they're starting to see the finished building. They've come down. They all start, it all starts to click. Sadie doesn't you, care. Sadie yeah, has no interest that. in yeah. Margate. Yeah. But thank you. <laughs> She's already made up her mind. Well, I'm sure it's gorgeous, but it's yeah. just it's just that, I mean, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. I really do, because I think it present, it'll present um, great opportunities to, to artists to do something exciting. That's what you're trying to do. You're pr- yeah. trying to provide an interesting space exactly. for, for, for great art to be. Yeah. I yeah. feel like it would have the biennial or a tri- I know there's a Folkestone triennial, but there would be something in Margate at some point that will be like Well, we've a got the Turner Prize this September and I we're doing think, an amazing curated show. Yeah, but you know what? I think we should all go a bit more pagan. I think you should do a festival. Oh, good one. Like so not like a, a, a pagan festival. festival. There should be a procession, possibly wow. with Monster Chetwind. Yes. yes. There should be some late night cult stuff. I've actually got photos. <laughs> yeah, well, let's do it. I think I mean, that's what you need. I've got photos of old processions yeah. in Margate. No, that would because be quite in, genius. in English coastal towns, there's yeah. a lot of really w- weird ritualistic... Totally. Well, even the Shell Grotto stuff. in Margate yeah, is exactly. totally weird. And there's like that, seances in there and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, some of it's a little dodgy, but you should do an art one, which would be... Then everyone would come for the weekend. Oh, that would, would be sound so like cool. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. Done. Well, we're just going to organise that now then. <laughs> we are. <laughs> and on that note, thank you so much, Sadie. Yeah, this has been lovely. Thank you very, very much, Sadie. Good. Nice to see you both. And everybody uh, listening, please visit our Instagram and you can see images um, of all the artworks we've been discussing in this episode. And we'll be back very soon. Love you. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Recorded at Spiritland London by Anthony Shaw and edited by Gareth Isles. Subscribe to Talk Art on iTunes and Spotify. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. 